Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. In Mary's song, she explores what it means to recognize that a Savior is coming. The Savior fills the hungry and sends the rich away empty. What does that mean for us in 2022, 2,000 years later, to have a Savior who stands for the very things our world and culture teaches against? In this week's message of the week, we hear from Pastor Jen Tyler, who challenges us to expect a Savior with a scripture reading from Luke 1. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Won't you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we ask that as we continue in this time of worship and listen for your word, that you would open our ears, that we might hear you clearly in our midst, open our eyes, that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts, that we might love you more deeply, as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So over the past several weeks, we have been invited to read the Christmas story with expectation as we hope for and wonder about both what God has done and what God is doing in our world through this miraculous story that we know as the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, a story that is not just for some of us, but for or just for those that we think deserve it, right? But for all of us. It is for the expansive love of God that comes down to us that we celebrate in this season. And we know that this love is for each and every one of us, and and perhaps especially for the folks that we might want to always push to the edges, because Jesus talks over and over again about loving and welcoming and caring for all people. And this origin story of Jesus, about how Jesus came to walk among us, to be a teacher, well, it happened in the most unexpected of ways, didn't it? While many of us love to hope and dream about the children of our lives and the ways they're going to grow up and offer all these things to the world, I've been thinking a little about the hopes and expectations we put on children in our lives today as we prepare for the coming of the child of Christ. And the reality is we dream big about our children when we love them, don't we? But my reality is also that not once have I ever looked at an infant and thought to myself, wow, you're going to be my surgeon someday, right? I mean, you change that sentence up, and I think it's true for most of us, isn't it? Whether we dream of them being a teacher or a pastor or an attorney or a small business owner or a stay-at-home parent or anything else, whatever we think of or dream of when we comes to the youngest children in our lives, the truth is, I rarely think, well, someday you could be my teacher or leader or pastor. And to be so specific in such a personal way with an infant is to expect a great deal that we know is far in the future. And I don't know about you, but I think that'd be a bit strange, wouldn't it? 
to look at our sweet, I'm just going to call him out, to look at our sweet little fan over in the corner and be like, gosh, isn't it exciting that he could be the pastor of this church someday? Does anybody else think that's a little maybe premature, right? I think that we are called, of course, to care for him and for all of our children, to create pathways, to mentor them, to help him along his way, to help him become the best version of whom God has called him to be. After all, we all started in that way once upon a time, didn't we? We all started as someone who needed care for and was vulnerable and relied on other people for every want or need. In our scripture reading today, well, I'm talking about how strange it is to hope for these specific things because that's exactly what happens in our text today. It is a text from Luke 1, a text that we know as Mary's song, in which Mary moves from the role of having just been visiting with the angel who tells her that she is with child, that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. And she moves from that into exploring her own hopes and expectations of how this might come to be and what this might look like. And so in her own words, Mary explores the way that God's unexpected ways of entering the world, well, it's not limited to what she knows thus far, which is basically that God has chosen her, someone unexpected and humble, And that God has chosen to enter the world in this vulnerable form, perhaps the most vulnerable form possible, being entirely dependent on those around him. And yet Mary also knows that this kind of vulnerability, it's not going to last forever. And while you and I might not be thinking about a baby as our teacher or mentor or leader, Mary seems to have no problem doing exactly that. In fact, she even takes it a step further, acknowledging from this moment that she knows that she is pregnant with this child, the Christ child, naming that he will not only be a leader, but he will be her and our savior. It's kind of magnificent, isn't it? So I want you to read along with me in this story. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Here ends our reading today. As I read this story, I wonder if anyone else, I sure have, has ever been so full of joy and of love that you can't quite find the words to properly express it. Or maybe you have had a moment using Mary's words when you just want to magnify the Lord knowing that there is nothing else that will do. 
those are not the words that I would usually use, but I have certainly been giddy with joy or excitement. And in these opening words of Mary's song, she talks about some of these same things, but in her own context, she talks about joy and praising and worshiping God. And as she does so, she gives abundant thanks. She takes time to reflect on the many, many blessings that have allowed her to be in that time and in that place, playing the role she does in this story that she knew would have an impact not just on her own immediate bubble, but on the world that was yet to come for generations to come. An impact far beyond what she could begin to know or measure. And yet even knowing this, Mary's praises don't stop there. Instead, she carries on talking about what this might mean for her, what it might mean for us and for the whole of the world, really. The words that she offers and the vision that she paints is one of hope, but one that she also understands is not going to come without struggle and without some challenging of the status quo. She knows that her child, the child of God, is not coming to bring us hope and joy and salvation in the ways that we expect or maybe even want. He isn't going to come and make it easy on us by having evil in the world stop with a simple click of his fingers. It's not as easy as that. And so in the same way, he's not going to come and dissolve all of our sins or shortfallings or broken relationships by taking away all of our temptations or desires that lead us away from God. It's not going to be that easy. And it's not going to be in ways that are simple or that we might otherwise have expected. Instead, Mary expects what actually comes forth. She expects a miracle that only God could bring forth. She expects and prepares for a savior who is merciful and who requires that we follow God not just once in a while, but as she says, from generation to generation, our whole lives long. And then she goes on to say, that God will show strength, not just in worldly or physical ways, but by overcoming systems that do harm. And as she says, by bringing down the powerful from their thrones. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? The bringing down the powerful from their thrones. I imagine every person here could name one or two or 20 leaders that you would love to see come down from their thrones. No names, please right? Maybe it's in local or national government. Maybe it's in your place of employment. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in the school board. You can all think of someone or place. Maybe it's even in your family because none of our families are perfect, right? When Mary talked about the unexpected ways, though, that God would be merciful, she was talking about ways that God would unexpectedly bring down the powerful, I mean, it wasn't just the people that you or I are thinking of, though. I wonder if some of the powerful people that Mary is referring to in this passage are not just the people that we think of around us that are maybe less than your favorite, but what if sometimes those powerful people are you and I? Most of us 
have power and privilege in our lives, often that we're not fully aware of. Whether it's because we fit the default description of how people look or act or speak in our communities, or because of the incredible country that we have had the privilege of being born into, Maybe because of the family that you were born into, or because of a specific position you hold, or because of the number of figures in your bank account. The list is long about power and privileges that comes into our lives in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different places. And what Mary is dreaming of here is a time when not just the most powerful leaders are brought down, but when all of the powerful are brought down from our thrones and we all treat each other as we are, as equal before the Lord our God. Now we know that this insight that Mary had as she spoke these words was wisdom given to her by none other than the Holy Spirit and we know that in part because Jesus did exactly these things she talked about, even saying crazy things like it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to heaven. A statement, by the way, that is about more, that is more about changed hearts than it is about money itself being the problem. And it makes me wonder, as we consider those kinds of power dynamics and bringing them down and using them for good, it makes me wonder for each of us what thrones you and I might need to step down from. What ways we are taking the gifts and the responsibilities and the abilities that God has given us, and how are we keeping them for ourselves or failing to properly use them for the sake of others? Because as we dive into Mary's song here about our Savior who is coming to us this season, especially, I cannot help but to be reminded that for all the ways that we love this story, and we do love the Christmas story, don't we? It isn't meant, though, to just be the nice, beautiful package of a baby delivered to us without any tension. Rather, it is meant to be a challenge that invites us to embrace different realities that God longs to introduce to the world. And when I think of the power of God that is at work in these otherwise unexpected ways through this story, I often think about how easy it is to romanticize the idea of our Savior coming to us. A bit like we romanticize all babies, if we're honest, don't we? I mean, the story of Christmas is one that we deeply love, but we don't like the dirty details. And the same, I would say, is true of children. We love babies as a society, don't we? And yet our culture uses phrases like sleeping like a baby. Now, I just got, I wish you all could have seen Erin's look on her face uh, when, that I just got. (laughs) Uh, The scowl of a mother when you say that phrase, a mother of a young child, is priceless, isn't it? Because we all know that when we imagine the long, silent night of anyone waking up refreshed and rested and ready for a new day after plenty of sleep, and then we say you slept like a baby, those are not the same, Right? Because I think most of us here know that that is about as far from the reality as a baby sleeping as it could possibly be. I mean, babies love to sleep, sure, 
But they either do it in the middle of the day when it's really inconvenient, or my favorite is when they do it in those tiny increments that is just enough to ensure that your parents or caregivers aren't going to get any sleep at all, let alone get time to do anything else like work or clean or take a bath for that matter, right? We know that's true. And yet we love the sweet, silent idea of a peaceful baby. And I do too, to be honest. I love being an aunt. But I am uh, quick to say that I will take care of anyone else's children anytime because I know that when that time ends, I get to go home and go to bed. (laughs) It's the best part of being an aunt. And all of that makes me wonder, when we think about our Savior coming, Is it the real savior that we're preparing for and expecting? Or is it the idea of one? Do we really want the proud to be scattered when we know that you and I struggle with being proud sometimes too? Do we really want to be brought down from our thrones when we have even the tiniest bit of power? Even when the power that we have is so small in the eyes of the world that it's easy to ignore because it doesn't really feel like power at all. Do we want those that we think of as lowly around us to be brought up above us and beyond us? Or maybe even to truly be the equals that God has always intended us to be? In this season... We are preparing for and we are expecting our Savior to come to us. We are expecting this baby that brings us hope and is merciful, but who also asks us to do hard things, to make sacrifices, to go out of our way to always put God first and our community around us as a close second. This very same baby that we look to with hopeful anticipation wants to be not just a symbol of hope for us this season, but to be an agent of change that can bring forth that hope in tangible ways. Wants to be an agent of that hopeful change that starts with none other than you and me. Because good change that is of God starts with a commitment to offer all of who we are in humility before the Lord our God. And it is a commitment that continues this day and always with rejoicing in God, our Savior. This coming Christmas in just a few days, this day, this season, as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of our unusual and unexpected Savior, as we work to prepare ourselves for the whole of what this good news of our Savior coming to us looks like, might we look to our future with joyful anticipation, knowing that God has always and will always stand with those in need, those who are the least and the lost and the hurting and the forgotten, those who are the persecuted and the faithful and the believing and the unbelieving or unsure. God stands with those who need God's love the most. And so too shall we, friends, on this day that we 
commit ourselves to honoring God with our worship, with our prayers, with our presence. May we also worship God with our hopeful anticipation and our rejoicing in the reality of a Savior who has come for you and for me and for all of the world. May we honor God as we share that message of love and of hope with all we meet. Let's pray together. Faithful and merciful God, we thank you for the ways that you come to us in celebratory and joy-filled and expected ways. And we thank you for the ways that you humble us as well, calling upon us to love you more and to care more deeply with every breath that we take. May you help us to honor your people, your kingdom, your community, and your newborn savior that you send to us this day. Help us, O oh God, to look for you in unexpected ways and places as we worship you with great joy in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.